lifting up your wonderful and gracious name. Father God, it's another Sunday, and you are alive in each and every one of us, O Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the small things that you have done during this week, for the big things that you have done and you have answered us, and for the things that you have not answered, Lord, we have the confidence that you will, for we are yours and you are ours, O Lord Jesus. It's a privilege, O Lord Jesus, to come into your house this morning. And we pray for those who don't have that privilege, Lord Jesus. We pray for those who are sick or incapacitated such that they can't come into the house of worship and enjoy the fellowship, Lord. We pray for those who are hiding in fellowship, Lord, this morning. But your word goes out nevertheless, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the comfort of your word. We thank you that, Lord, in your word are promises, Lord Jesus, that we need to hold fast to, Lord, because you mean them, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for each and every one of our members this morning, Lord Jesus. We pray, O oh God, that you will hear that silent prayer that they're praying even now, Lord Jesus. We intercede on every believer's behalf, O oh Lord Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, to intervene in the situation that they have brought before you, God, and that you will answer them in a mighty and powerful way that you will be glorified, Lord, for you are worthy of glory, Lord. As we lift up your name this morning, Lord, as we honor you, we do this because you are worthy. You are the God of our salvation. You are the Lord of our life. And we just want to tell you, Lord, that we appreciate you and all that you have done for us and that you have secured for us something better than what is happening here on this earth. And we just praise you, Lord. May our praise and our worship be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray for that and for your manservant this morning. Amen.
sings for you now, Jesus saves.
Welcome to the Northwest Baptist Church. And before I get started this morning, I'm going to let my lovely wife say a special announcement concerning Vacation Bible School. Good morning, church. Um, just a few quick things to go through. If you came to the back foyer this morning, you noticed that we do have the donation cards up on the wall. So those are supplies that we're needing that you could help us out. Some are really simple, like a box of Cheerios. Some are a little more intense. Um, some are borrowed, some are donated, so would you please check out the wall. If everybody takes one, we can knock that out, and they are due next week, okay? So we just have a week to get that in of those supplies. If you'd like to help sponsor a child, $10 per child is what we're asking. If you could help us kind of offset the cost, we generally uh, take in about 120 kids each summer to do this program, and it does cost us as a church. We don't charge the kids. We're one of the few churches in our area that do not charge kids to come to our vacation Bible school. So we're asking you to help us offset that cost if you could, would like to donate $10 per child. Uh, workers, we have t-shirt order forms down in the front. So if you would see me after church, you could pay for your shirts and order your t-shirts so we can get those to you in time for vacation Bible school. And don't forget the living waters, the $5 uh, will give one child clean water for a whole year in Peru this year. That's our Operation Kid to Kid project. So if you'd like to help us donate, that's one of those small M&M containers filled with quarters. If you want to work on that as a family over the next couple weeks, you could do that. That's a nice fun project to work on. And don't forget to register your kids or register your neighbor kids with their parents' permission, assuming. And just register your kids. We need to, we need to get them registered so we can open it up to uh, the rest of the school and everybody. So get those kids registered. And don't forget, all crew leaders, please meet with me after and uh, we have work days coming up this week and next week uh tuesday and thursday this week tuesday and thursday and um is that what it says up there monday. monday and tuesday great um so please help us out by building the sets and all kinds of other fun stuff and don't forget to come and see me so you can order your shirt if you're working this year thank you guys thank you honey if you are visiting with us we're so glad that you are here if you would fill out a connect card Locate it in the seat in front of you and then turn it in when the ushers come around in just a few minutes. We'd love to have a, a record of your attendance and so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, like uh, she said, just to let you know that the work days this week are nothing more than just bringing supplies down, looking over our supplies, and going and purchasing supplies. And if you would like to help me, I'll be around Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday and Friday of this week, and you can come and help me if you would. Just let me know. Just don't show up. 
Um, uh, if you will let me know when you can be here this week, that'll be great. And then our official work days will start next uh, week uh, in the evenings. And so we'll get all the stuff that we need to get this week, have it organized so that we're prepared, ready to go next week. We are going to have a Father's Day breakfast coming up in just two short weeks. But if you would like to help with the, uh, the Father's Day breakfast, you need to meet with Cheryl Scott and Denise Rowe over towards the back of our uh, section here from the piano section is what we call it. Uh, after the VBS, once you've gotten your T-shirt order form in, you can go back and, and attend that meeting. Uh, that'll take place right after the VBS meeting, and so we hope that you will make, to make it there. Then this Wednesday night is going to be our last dinner for the summer uh, because there's just a lot going on around here in the summertime with our camps and things like that, and we, we're not going to overlap and do a lot of things. So we're going to have this as our last dinner until August. Uh, and I uh, hope you will make it out at 5.30 this Wednesday night, and then stick around for our Bible studies, especially in the adult Bible study where we're, uh, Pastor Andrew is going over living in exile, a study in Daniel, and it's a great study, and I hope that you will make it here Wednesday night. Then surviving the teenage years. If you have someone in the fifth that was just out of the fifth through the eighth grade, uh, this is the last day to sign them up to get the early bird special. Uh, and so make sure that you see me in the back. I will be at the table in the back. Uh, make sure that you come and see me and, and get the application forms from me today. And then some sad news. Our very own Louise Walker passed away this week, if you have not heard. A hundred and four and almost a half. And we are going to celebrate her life and home going this Saturday at 11 o'clock right here in the, in the auditorium. And we hope that you will make your plans to be here. What a great dear lady of this church sat right there. Almost you want to just gold that seat. Um, you know, she, she was a, a faithful member of our church, and the Lord has called her home, and what a great testimony she was. And we're going to celebrate her life this Saturday at 10 o'clock. There is a viewing at the Van Orsdale Funeral Home in Midtown uh, on Friday night from, I believe it's from 6 o'clock until 9 o'clock or 5 o'clock until 9 o'clock. Um, you can call the church office. We'll have the specific details tomorrow. Um, but the, there'll be a viewing on Friday night, and then the, the main service will be here on Saturday. And then, recycled teenagers. Going to be sad that she's not going to be here for my one of my recycled dinners, my lunches. Our last luncheon for the summer is going to take place a week from Tuesday on June 13th. And if you are going to attend, uh, the cost is $7, and you need to sign up with me either this week or next week. And as our ushers are making their way forward, we just want to thank you all for your faithfulness in your giving, uh, in your attendance, because without you, uh, this church won't be a lighthouse. And because of you, it is a lighthouse. And we've got a lot more things to do. And we continue to pray for God's blessings upon this work. Let's pray together now. Our Father, Lord, we are so thankful for who you are. We are thankful for your love for us. And Lord, let us take that love that you have for us to this community. Let people see Jesus in our lives. Let people see Jesus in the lives of the people of this church. God, we are so thankful for them. And we pray now that you will bless our offering as we continue to do the work that you would have us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. If you will open the inside of your bulletin, you'll see in one area there's a box around We Need You to Go. We finally have a hearing with Dade County. This is, there are phases, unfortunately, uh, of our hearings with Dade County. This is phase one. We have a tentative date, which it will probably be secure, but tentative right now, July 19th. And um, I don't have the address here. It will be um, uh, in the bulletin next week. We're asking you to come to the hearing. The attorney says the more people we have, the better, because this is an open hearing for the community, and we just like to have a good appearance by the church. We would be taking what we call a cheese bus, and that's the, uh, a school bus. But you can also drive, <laughs> there will be no cheese, you can also drive, uh, but we'll give you all that information, but I'm explaining it now because we need you to pray for this. There are variances involved, and we need for these people on this board to accept these variances. It's very important. They're asking some ridiculous things, and we need for them to accept these variances. So keep your eye on that box. We'll be having more information, but start today, please, to pray for this hearing. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Would you now stand for the reading of our scriptures for our verse, the verses for our church for this year? Vilna, we'll make sure you, we get you air conditioning comfort right over there. <laughs> They're found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And would you recite them along with me, please? For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we move ahead. I'm sorry. Let's pray our Lord's Prayer together now. Father, our, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Jesus, the Lamb of God, Savior and King, you are worthy of our praise forever, you are
the church you may be. Praise God. Amen. Good morning, church. Glorify. You alone are worthy of our praise forever. What a blessed day it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And good morning to you. We had such a great weekend on, uh, on Friday. We had our fish fry, and uh, it was, a, it was a, just a great time to be with the people of the Lord. I, I was thinking of the song that we used to sing. I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. And, you know, what a sight just to see all the happy faces praising God in, in, in heavenly places. It, just, it was such a good time to be with the people of God on Friday. And apparently, if you can't win at bingo unless you are 65 or older. So that's just the way it goes. <laughs> I tried. I tried several times, much to my failure. <laughs> but we had, we had a good time. And I, and I ate. Uh, and what a great job Sam and, and, and Clara did just on that with the fish. Man, I, I'm not a fish guy in terms of, I mean, I like tilapia, but uh, the, the, the Escovitch fish, the snapper, and it was full of bones, and so I had to take my time and work through it, but man, it was so well flav uh, flavored and, and just so delicious, so we, we had a great time uh, on Friday, and it's just a, just a glorious time to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I, I was just singing that song, just glorifying God, and, 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 and what I want to talk about this morning is, is just that, is reflecting God's glory. You know, we learned last week that, that God saves sinners for his glory alone. We've been learning over the course of the last several weeks that, that the whole salvific process is by God alone. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. And as Pastor Andrew said last week, no glory for you. <laughs> we, we don't get the glory. God gets all of the glory for what he has done. And so my objective this morning is to discuss the implications of that salvation, namely what our purpose is here on this earth as a saved people. What are we here for? I mean, if, if, if God alone gets all the glory alone for what he has done through Christ alone, then then I believe that our objective here is to, is to glorify the God who is glorious, to give him glory. And the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question one, kind of helps shed some light on, on my objective this morning. The catechism asks the question, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? And the answer states, Man's chief end is to glorify God and to, en and to enjoy him forever. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And I want to say to you this morning that if you have repented of your sins and have placed faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then your purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And this sounds very spiritual. Sounds very spiritual. But what exactly 
does it mean to glorify God? I, I was looking at that word as well uh, this week, uh, glorify. It's the verb uh, doxazo, and it means to, to, to magnify, to, to give praise to, to extol, to praise feverishly, to bring glory to God. And, and we hear that we're supposed to glor- you know, our, our chief end is to glorify God, but how do we do it? What does it mean to do that? Here's what it does not mean. It does not mean to make God glorious. You know, the Reformed theologian, pastor, and author Gerald Irvin Williamson, he rightly points out that God is already glorious. God already is glorious. He has been glorious from all eternity. And nothing created by God can ever make him more glorious than he already is. He goes on to note that to glorify God must be understood this way. It means to reflect God's glory. This morning as Christians, we reflect God's glory by resembling Christ. We reflect God's glory by resembling Christ. As a matter of fact, this is exactly why God predestined us. This is exactly why God chose and predestined the elect. Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, why? To be conformed to the image of his son. And the word translated image there is the Greek word aikon, from which we get our English word icon. And the word literally means that which resembles an object which represents it. So this word always assumes a prototype, not merely what it resembles, but from which it is drawn. So when Paul in Colossians 1.15 says, he, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, he is saying Jesus is the visible representation and manifestation of God to created beings. Jesus said in John 14, verses 7 through 9, if you had, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And, and Philip, Philip, sa- Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I, have I been with you so long, and you still, look at that, have I? He said, Philip is saying, show us the Father, and Jesus says, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. For I and the Father are one, one in essence. Jesus, as the incarnate Son of God, revealed visibly who the Father was and in so doing brought glory to his Father. And this morning, as I think about that, we, we, we had a basketball, a youth basketball league that used to take place in the gym maybe a couple months ago. And I would... After school, I'd come over because my son Caleb would play in this, in this league. And so <laughs> every day I'd, I'd get there for the game, and I'm kind of hoping that, you know, I'd watch them play, they're dribbling, they're passing, they're shooting. And I'm like, I wonder if he's going to, I wonder if he's 
want to see him score the ball. And because deep down, I'm thinking if, if, if he scores it and people see that, you know, that kind of kind of reflects back on the old man a little bit, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, he's playing that that defense that kind of reflects back on, on me a little bit, you know. And, and, and so in a way, it's like I'm kind of like glorified in that, like, yeah, there you go. That's my son. And I, as I was thinking about that, I thought about what God the Father said about Jesus Christ at his baptism. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the express image of me. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus Christ always reflects the glory of God, always. In, on, in his earthly ministry, everything he did, his sinless life, he always imaged the reflection of his father. And, and, and as a matter of fact, Jesus Christ is the glory of God in, in, in bodily form. This morning, I pose the question to you, who do you look like? Do you look like the world or do you look like Christ? Are, are you reflecting the image of the old self or, or having put on the new self, are you being renewed in knowledge after the icon, the image of the creator? So if you, if you have your Bibles, please open them. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 17 this morning. I was a little nervous about that, so that's 17 verses, but I said, hey, what better place to read scripture than in church? So that's what we're going to do this morning, but before we do that, I'd ask you to bow your heads as we ask the Lord to help us this morning to understand his word. Most gracious heavenly Father, you alone are glorious. There's nothing that we have or can do or to add to or to give you glory. Lord, I pray now that you would bless your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the supernatural work of opening hearts as only your Holy Spirit can do, Lord God. Bless our time as we spend in your word. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. read for you now from the book, the, the epistle, Colossians, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. Paul says this, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self 
with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Paul, in the epistle to the church at Colossae, was confronting several false teachings that were being put forth as truth. As a matter of fact, in Colossians 2.8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. The church at Colossae was being bombarded with physical and philosophical speculations, reverence to angelic intermediaries, food taboos, ascetic practices. But the real overarching false ideology here was Gnosticism. This was a heretical view that plagued the early church for the first 200 years of its existence. The Gnostics, and this is important, the Gnostics separated matter from thought. They considered matter as evil and thought or knowledge as the ultimate uh, means of salvation. Since all matter was evil, the Gnostics denied that Jesus had a physical body. This heresy is known as docetism, and it denied the reality of Jesus' body as well as his sufferings and death. So basically, Jesus only seemed or appeared to be human. So these false teachers, these, these false teachers either ignored or diminished the historical reality of Jesus' ministry, death, and resurrection by saying these things only appeared to be. But here, here, what's the point? Here's the point this morning. This, this belief was dangerous because it led to an immoral lifestyle. Since the spirit was entirely separate, they were not responsible for the acts of the body. But Paul combats this false ideology, namely this, this idea that Jesus only appeared in spirit. He combats that in Colossians 2.9 when he says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells. Doesn't stop there, though. Bodily. Jesus 
had a body. And this idea that Jesus only appeared to be was dangerous because the people were saying, well, the only thing that since all flesh is evil and we can't redeem the flesh, we can live any way we want. But what we see is that Paul says no to the church at Colossae, to the Colossian believers. He says, no, you can't do that. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. These believers were being plagued by all these fake ideologies and false ideologies. If you look at chapter 2 of Colossians, it says here, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven all, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. He's, he's showing them that, listen, this life of Jesus was real. He's saying Jesus really did die. And he says, you have been forgiven of all your trespasses by canceling how? The record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. That is the crucifixion. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. How? In him, in Christ. So, this idea that Jesus sort of existed or, you know, he, he existed only as spirit was false. And Paul deals with it head on. In chapter 3, our text, he says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. And before I jump into this and, and, and explain this, I want to make clear what I want to do this morning. What I want to do is separate what I've just read into three sections. I want to look at the eternal mindset that we are called to have and what that means for us. And I also want to look at verses 1 through 4, which point to that heavenly mindset. I also want to look at verses 5 through 11, which speak to a putting to death and a putting away of the deeds of the old self. And finally, verses 12 through 17, which speak about how believers should live having put on Christ. So Paul says in verses uh, one through four, he says, if then you've been raised with Christ. Notice the word if. He's actually saying there, since you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God, which is a position of honor and of glory. He's saying, have your mind set on those things. Have your mind set on that. Since you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. He says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And we believe that. We, we believe that we have been crucified with Christ and that we no longer live, but that Christ lives in us. Paul said that. Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who what? Loved me and gave himself for me. And he says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, in verse 5, having this understanding that, yes, if you, since we've been raised with Christ, we are to seek the things above where Christ is seated. 
we are to set our minds on those things. This is where we draw our, 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 our ability to live through this world. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing we need is in Christ. Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he indwells us. And I think, what, what do we keep our minds set on as we live in this world, as we, as we exist? What are our minds set on? Are our minds set on Christ? Are our minds set on him, on focusing on him, on reflecting his glory? In verse 5, Paul says, put to death, therefore. Therefore what? In light of the fact that you've been raised with Christ to this new life, that you seek these things above, that you set your mind to, to heavenly things and not earthly things. The fact that you have died and your life, the real life, is hidden with Christ and God. And the fact that when he appears in glory, you'll appear with him in glory, in light of all of that, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And Paul there, and there it is, he's battling or he's combating this Gnostic idea that, well, you know, we can't control the body anyway, so it really doesn't matter. We'll just indulge in whatever we want. Paul says, no, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality refers to any form of sexual sin. Paul is saying as a person who is reflecting God's glory, as a person who has a new self, you need to put that to death. Put that away. Impurity, which goes beyond sexual sin to encompass evil thoughts and intentions. Passion and evil desire. This is similar to the, to, to the sexual lust. These terms are similar. When he says this, he says, evil desire, impurity, passion. The passion is the physical side of sexual lust, and the evil desire is the mental side, that thought life. But we just read what our thoughts are supposed to be centered on. Our thoughts are supposed to be centered on Christ. That's the north on our compass, not this, these earthly things that hold us back. He says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked. You once looked like the world. You once, when I said, who do you look like? Paul is saying here, you once looked like the world. You once walked in these things. This is the way you lived when you were living in them. But now, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. From your mouth. Just put that away. And, I, you know, we live in this world and it's, there should be a distinction between the life of a believer and the life of a, of a non-believer. And oftentimes that line is blurred. You really can't see it. You're at the job and, you know, they, 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 you hear the talk. You know, the Bible talks about obscene talk, water cooler talk and, and coarse joking and all this kind of thing. And. And we're called to live differently. This is, this is not who we are. This is not who we image. We're supposed to image Christ. And so that line there, 
oftentimes is, is blurred. But Paul here is saying, no, you have to put that away. Put that to death. That has to die. Anger. Anger is a deep, smoldering bitterness. A deep, smoldering bitterness. And that's interesting because you can't always see it on its outside. It's, it's, it's sometimes an internal thing. But you see the effects of it. You see that when somebody is bitter, they are, they are angry. They have this deep, smoldering bitterness. Paul says, no, you, you, can't, you can't have that anymore. You can't live like that anymore. You have to put that away. That is not what the new self looks like. That's not what, what I look like. When God, when Jesus, and you say, well, what about when Jesus cleansed the temple? Yes, but that's a righteous anger. Zeal for his father's house will consume him. Our anger, oftentimes when we have this bitterness, it's, it's irrational. Wrath, sudden outbursts of sinful anger. Put that away. That's how the world looks. You ever cut somebody off in traffic by accident? And then you're, you're like, I didn't mean to do it. And, and man, the look they give you. If looks could kill, you would be dead right there because they are so angry. They, what are you doing? And, and, and that's, the, that's the, way the, the way the world looks. Hey, listen, and I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that, too. I've been cut off, too, in traffic. And you get upset, you know. But, but remember, we, we have to continue to set our, our, our mind on Christ, where he is seated, on heavenly things. Malice, which is general moral evil. Slander, damage caused by evil speech. The damage caused by evil speech. Paul says, no, you can't, we can't do that. You, you don't look like that anymore. You can't talk like that anymore. Don't damage people like that. We speak the truth. How? In love. We don't damage people with our words. Malign people with our words. That's not what the new self looks like. Paul says then we are to put to death the immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which literally means the desire to have more. The world definitely looks like that. I have to have more. This greed, which is idolatry. You're worshiping the thing rather than the creator. We can't look like that, church. That if, if we're, and remember, our... our our chief end is to glorify God, enjoy him forever. If we are saved, then we have to reflect that glory. We have to reflect, and we can't add to it. I'm not saying that we add to God's glory, but we show the world. It's like when the, the word reflect actually means to throw back at. So when people look at us, it's like, oh, no, it, it, it's there. It's there. How I talk, there. How I live, how I walk, it's, it's not me. It's, it's who I'm reflecting. It's who I'm iconing, Im imaging. That's what we're looking at here. Who am I imaging? Who do you look like this morning, church? Who do you look like? Obscene talk. But then in verse, if you look at this, it says, and do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Practices. That's an interesting. You, you, you used to practice these things. But you put that off. You don't look like that anymore. He says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. This new self is being renewed 
And that word is interesting. It, it actually means in the Greek to renovate. And when I read that, I was thinking about the Home and Garden Channel. They have so many shows about renovations, fix and flop and all these. I don't know the names of them. I don't know what the names are, but it's so interesting. They'll, they'll, so they'll go, they'll, they'll look at this house, they'll buy the house, and then when they get the house, the house is completely disgusting. It is, I mean, at least the, the one that I watch, you know, there, there's different versions of this, you know, idea. But the one that I watch, they buy the house, and the, the, the idea is we're going to transform this house. So they get in there, and they spend, you know, money on it, and they, they change it up, and all of the, the, the mold and all of these other things that I won't mention that are in the house, they get rid of all of that stuff. And the, the, the house is in the process of being renovated such that when it's done, it looks completely different than when they first got it. And here, that word uh, renew, it says, and have put on the new self, which is being renovated in the knowledge after the image of its creator. That new self is growing. It's, 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 it's being renovated. We are looking more and more like Jesus. He says, in this new self that, 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 that Paul is talking about, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. He says, but Christ is all and in all. I love the NLT, the New Living Translation. It says, Christ is all that matters. Christ is all that matters. In this world, a lot of different things matter to a lot of different people. Black lives matter. Blue lives matter. And Democrats matter. Republicans matter. Christ is all that matters. Christ is our life. In this new life, there, we don't have these divisions of black and white and this. And, no, it's Christ. Christ is all and in all. And he says, as a result of this, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. As, as, so, so look at that. We've moved away from what we used to look like into what we're supposed to look like. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones. So we are elect. We've been chosen. This is what Paul is telling the church here at Colossae. And beloved that is, God chose you. He is, he, is, he is purposed to set his love upon you. Because of this, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And, and what's interesting about that is that the common thread there is others. It's of others. We have compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, and meekness, and patience toward others. We are moving away from, as we know, self and moving toward God. We are, we are promoting a greater love, cultivating a greater love for God and others. And so as a new person with a new self transformed, it says, put on these things, bearing with one another, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And, that, and that's not always e easy to do. Not always easy to do that. Especially when you feel wronged and justified in that. And the person that has wronged you doesn't see it. 
And Christ is saying here through Paul, the Holy Spirit is leading Paul to say, bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. And, and, and again, this is, here's why. Here's why. As the Lord has forgiven you, we have such a huge debt that we cannot pay. We can't. There's nothing that we could do to pay the sin debt that we have. But God, in his love, demonstrates his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we even see here in chapter 2 where he says that God forgives us of all our trespasses, having forgiven us. So if we're trying to image that, then we have to do that. That's the glory that we're, we're reflecting. M most people in the world, you know, they don't want to forgive. They, they like that grudge. That grudge feels good. Man, I'm going to like you. <laughs> like, wow, man, okay. I'm going to hold that. I'm going to hold that. All right. But, but in our hearts, we forgive. And again, we forgive not, not so we can seem somehow, I don't know, uh, I don't know what the word is here. Like we're, we're better than people, but, but in a sense, we're new. We have a new self. We, we, we have been raised with Christ. So we have to forgive. And he says, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What, what we see here is that love is sort of the, the, the glue that bonds it all together. All of these things, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, you know, to a certain degree, the, the world can show a little bit of, oh, I'll be patient, and, you know, but to a certain extent. Or I'll be, you know, I, I can do a good deed, I can help this person across the street to a certain degree, but they don't have love. Love is what binds it all together in perfect harmony. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ. We know that scripture tells us that if we, we in Philippians chapter 4, it says, be anxious for nothing, by prayer and supplication, thanksgiving to God, make your request known, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts. How? In Christ Jesus. And here, Paul is saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Anxiety is big. We, we worry. We worry. This, the, to the point where the old self, the world, the way the world looks, when they worry, they, they take matters into their own hands. They do things based on what they are going to perceive to be the best movement. This is how I should go. This is what I need to do. But, and so worry motivates their actions. But here, as, as people who are imaging God, reflecting Christ, we are called to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. It says here, to which indeed you were called in one body. And he says, be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Taking that time to be in God's word. Let it dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom. And then I love this. It says, singing psalms and hymns as we did this morning. What a blessed time of worship we had this morning. Singing and, and praising and giving glory, extolling God's name. This is what the new man, the new self, the one that has been raised with Christ, this is what he does. But church, finally, in verse 17, Paul says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, whether you're a husband, you're a father, co-worker, whatever you do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is the glorious name that we are imaging. Every aspect of our life is done in the honor and service and glory of that name. Paul says, whether you eat or drink, do to the glory of God. What I want us to see, church, is that we, if we are saved, we are called to glorify God, to image that's why God predestined us, to be conformed to the image of his son. John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that, we, that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. He is glorious. All glorious. And so when he appears, we will be like him. But, but in light of that, right, that's the heavenly reality that we're to set our minds on. In light of that, in light of that, live your life in service to him. Everything that you do in everything, whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let us reflect God's glory by resembling Christ in our minds. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, you are so glorious. Your work of salvation in us, Lord God, we just praise you. We know that in and of ourselves we can't do anything. But we know that it is by grace we've been saved through faith. And this is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we were created for good works, Father. To do your workmanship. Lord, help our lives to reflect the glory of your Son. Help our lives to image him. Because one day, Lord God, we will be as he is. But until that day comes, Lord God, help us to strive to look like and live like the one who gives life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we close? Thank you.
share the message we have heard and be a light unto the world as we go, as we go. Let us and let our lives be a reflection of your glory this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.